Amen. Thank you, choir. What a blessing. We're actually getting the heart of the message this morning. I'm going to say a word of thank you to you guys. Um, I know with the Orfields and the Gillens and the Brattons with Lib's surgery, it was a blessing for me um, to be able to watch the love of the people too, of you guys. Uh, I was there in the morning when the surgery was going on and Bill Statzer said, Hey guys, why don't we go to the chapel and pray? So, you know, we had a small army go over there to the chapel and get on our hearts before the Lord. Said, Lord, we need you. God, be with Lib, be with his team, and be with his family. And, you know, it, I'll be honest, just as a pastor, you know, sometimes you think, well, you know, I'm supposed to be one to start this stuff, and, and I better be a man of prayer, but I better not be the only man of prayer. And I'm not here. <laughs> There's a lot of you who are prayer warriors, and I want to thank you for that. Well, last night I dropped in to stop by to check on Lib, and uh, Jerry and Lisa were there. And Jerry got up to leave and said, Hey, let's gather around and pray. So we had another time to pray as Jerry led us in prayer. And I thought, Guys, we cannot go wrong when we go up to Him in prayer. And we've got to, we've got to keep that up because we're not even smart enough to know what to do unless we talk to Him who knows it all, our Master. So I just want to encourage you guys, and encourage me, let's continue to pray. Let's continue to seek the Master's face and His heart. Let's continue to say, God, show me your, your love, Lord. Work in me. Work through those you love and I love for your glory. Just keep doing that. It's just an awesome encouragement of what God wants. We are in Song of Songs, these ancient love songs, and just a couple of messages left. My wife looked at me this morning when I told her what I was speaking. I'm like, what? And, and to be honest with you, I guess I've never preached on the Sabbath in regard to marriage. I've heard a lot of, uh, you know, keep the Sabbath holy, day to set apart, but hadn't really preached on marriage in regard to the Sabbath. And how God works through the Sabbath. So uh, we better pray God shows up or we'll be in trouble because it's a different angle. But we're in Song of Songs chapter 7 verses 11 through 13. Encourage you to stand in God's honor as I read from the text. Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my lover. Let's pray. Master, we need you, Lord. God, may your spirit be evident here today. 
Lord, fill me with your presence, God. Fill all of us with your spirit, Lord. That this may be a time to continue on and worship, God. There's a lot of distractions to pull away our minds and our hearts. But I pray that you protect us from the distractions, God. It's not a lot of time that we give completely our attention to you. And may this be one of the few. Lord, just work as we continue to worship. Lord, we need to hear from you, God. And I just pray that you speak to us, Lord. That you be uplifted. That you be glorified through it all, God. Because we certainly are in need. We're hungry. We're starved for you, oh God. Minister to us, O oh Master. In your name we pray. Amen. The main idea as we're going to look at this morning is that our relationship and the covenant of marriage, the most intimate of relationships here outside of our relationship with Jesus, must be modeled after that relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are several times in the Scriptures where the marriage covenant is spoken of as a comparison with our relationship with the Master. As He is spoken of as the groom, and we as the church is spoken of as the bride. Matter of fact, uh, Marichi, this is from Revelation chapter 19, beginning at verse 6, as this illustration is used here. It says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, right, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are... The true words of God. Now, of course, this is a corporate picture of a great wedding feast where all the loved ones are invited to join in and the bride is pictured as those who love the Lamb of God. And the Lamb is there and there's this joining together of hearts. And actually, that's what I first intended to uh, title this message, the joining together of hearts. There's this great joining together of hearts. And that picture of hearts being joined together with our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, also gives us a glimpse as the comparison of marriage is used. In Ephesians chapter 5, there's, it talks about marriage and it talks about our relationship to Jesus. I just want to read a couple of verses here. 22 through 27. It says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he's the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish blemish, but holy and blameless. There's a picture here that basically two words that come out boldly, love and respect. The husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. How much did Jesus love the church? Well, he went to Calvary. 
He went to the cross. He held nothing back, but He gave the most perfect illustration of unconditional, unselfish love by dying on that cross. And wives are called to respect their husbands, to listen to that authority. And there is a picture here of love and respect working together and, and, and working in a loving condition. And that's what God desires, guys. That's what God's heart is for. And as we gather here today, we gather here on what is the Sabbath, what we call a day of rest, a day to give our attention to God and to give our attention together to the worship. And, you know, this started out um, in the Old Testament times. The day was actually Saturday. It was a time to worship. But it changed in the church of Jesus Christ because it was Sunday that was the day celebrated that He rose from the grave. Sunday was the day of hope. I mean, it was pretty bleak before that as His body was placed in that tomb and the rock covered the tomb and sealed it. But then came Sunday where He rose from the grave and there was hope. And and so it wasn't Saturday, it became Sunday for those of us who believe in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thankfully in America, we got a double bargain. You know, double coupons, Saturday and Sunday, our weekend. For many anyway, intent to have a time of rest. As many as they work are not able to have that double time of rest. People are so busy, but there is a purpose for the Sabbath. There's a purpose where we need to, we need to stop all the craziness and the busyness that's around us and enjoy God and enjoy those that we love. There is a need for the Sabbath, for a time off from the hectic schedule that controls us during the week. We get so busy. And as we look at song and songs, you see a couple here who have fallen victim to busyness. And she says here, Come, my lover, let's go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There, I'll, I'll give you my love. She says, The mandrakes sent out their fragrance and at the doors every delicacy, both new and old. She says, we, we need to get away. We've been so busy that we've not been able to enjoy one another. We're, we're tired. If we're not careful, we're going to become strangers. And guys, if you think about it, that is one of the key important aspects of meeting together here each week of the Sabbath is we need a time that's set apart where we say, this is God's time. We need to come here to give our hearts to the living Lord and to worship Him and to say this is His sacred time. This is a time for Him. A time to rest and to be re-energized and to be reconnected with God and with one another. But there also needs to be a Sabbath time with our loved one, with our mate, to, to get away. And she said, let's get out of here. Let's get out of this crazy chaos and let's just be together so that we can really enjoy one another to get a break. We need to learn to enjoy one another and we need to connect with the mind, with the soul and the heart and the body. Too often when we think about 
Love between a man and a woman, we get caught up in the connection of the body. But listen, guys, there's no really touching her body until you've touched the rest of her. You've got to touch her mind and you've got to touch her spirit and her heart. I think there's a real value of, of being able to talk about things that matter. Things that, that challenge the mind where there's a respect of ideas and to really listen to one another, guys, and to grapple with what's tough. And that brings you together. Not only does there need to be that grappling of the mind, there needs to be that grappling of the heart. There needs to be some romance. Matter of fact, it was really neat. I read this week about Ulysses S. Grant. And he was dating this beautiful lady, Julia Dent. And of course, that was back for they had the cars with motors in them. So they were in a horse and buggy and there was this rickety bridge they were going to go across that didn't look too safe. And Julia looked over at her honey, Ulysses, and she said, "Uh, Honey, I'm scared. I don't want to go across there. And his response to her was, Don't be frightened. I'll look after you. And her response to him was, I'll cling to you whatever happens. They got across that bridge. And Julia looked over at Ulysses. He kind of had a tear in his eye. And he said, Will you cling to me no matter what for the rest of our lives? And she said, yes. And they got married. Says, that's pretty smooth there, Ulysses. <laughs> Worked pretty good. Got her heart connected to her. There also needs to be a connection of the Spirit. Husbands, wives, do you pray together? Do you care about what the Bible says? Do you try to learn Scripture together? Do you minister together? I have found in my marriage, it just seems like such a joy when we take the time to pray together. And to be honest with you guys, um, when we don't, I'm really the one to blame. I'm called to be a spiritual leader. And I'm called to say, honey, let's pray together. And it's so sweet. It's so sweet to go to Jesus and to pray for our, our, our family and to pray for you guys and, and to pray for other people who are hurting. And I know that He, he calls us to come and that He loves us. And, and it not only brings us closer to the Lord, it brings us closer to each other. Um, I thought about that with the example of Hannah and her husband, Elkanah. This is from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 21 read a couple of verses here. It says, when the man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord. And he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband, told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, as I thought about that example of this godly couple, I see these truths that were, they were connected they were connected in mind because as you read earlier, they cried out to the Lord that God might bless them with kids. And Hannah was broken because she wanted to be a mom. And Elkanah watched her and he loved her. 
And he cared about her. And he prayed for her. And, and they had a heart for that together. And she was able to, to see that he cared. Uh, there, there's a picture here, and, and he's listened to her. And he said, you know, basically he's saying, Honey, we've prayed together. We've sought the Lord together. God's blessed us with this kid. We've made a promise that this kid belongs to the Lord. And honey, I believe you walk with God, and I'm going to trust your judgment. So there's a bonding, a joining together of their hearts together. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and that leads me to the first point here as, as we get in this message of joining hearts. Become a devoted student of your spouse. Now, the only thing that really always changes is change. The only thing that doesn't change is something dead. So if you're living, you're changing. And if we don't make an effort to know one another, we become strangers. And it happens quick, guys. If you're not making concerted effort to know your loved one, you're going to become a stranger to that person. And here's what happens a lot of times. I've been guilty of this too. There's a lot of books out there, a lot of seminars... A lot of great studies about how to be a great husband and a a great wife. And if you're not careful, what happens is you're going to learn from the experts how to be a great husband or how to be a fantastic wife. And, and, And they've got all these great steps of how to fulfill that role. But here's the danger. If you're not careful, you spend your time trying to learn from a second party what's only meant to be learned by you with your loved one. Because let me tell you who the real expert is. It's you. Husbands, no one should know your wives like you do. Wives, no one should know your husband like you do. Those of you who may be engaged in thinking of going into marriage, that should be the heart. It's not enough just to learn how others say you should treat that person. You need to learn to listen to that person. What do they like? What do they dislike? How has God wired them? What is it that floats their boat or turns their crank, as we used to say when I was growing up? Learn to know that person, guys. Because we are in the midst of change. And if you don't learn to get to know that person, there will be a time where you don't know that person. And you'll drift apart. And so it is critical. God has called us to know one another, to listen to one another. I thought of Pilate. Remember Pilate's wife? She contacted him. She said, Oh, you need to back away from all this stuff to do with Jesus. I had this dream. You need to, you need to get out of this. But he didn't listen, did he? He carried forth. God was speaking through His wife. And guys, a lot of times God speaks through my wife. And He speaks to you through your wife and vice versa. And we need to listen to that one God has put in our lives. And not just pass through and do what we want to do without listening. Because God may be trying to send a very critical message. And we need to lead, need to listen to one another. And there's not a lot of things that Cindy seems to want for herself. It seems like most of the time, things she wants are for the kids. So I have to listen hard sometimes to find something I think she wants. And I need to make a note of that. And so do you.
What a great way to show your mate you love them by listening and recording and looking for a way to fulfill that. All right, let me move on here. Next point, uh, make Sabbath plans with your spouse. Now, when we think of Sabbath, we think of going to church. But Sabbath means a day away from the hectic pace to put your focus in one certain place. We think of it here, Sabbath, with God. But there's also a time Sabbath with your sweetie, with your honey. Uh, we talk about date nights. Uh, she's saying here, go to the countryside. Um, basically, it's to enjoy one another. I thought about, you know, that famous where it talks about Jacob and Rachel and their love. And Man, he had it bad, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> this is Genesis 29, 19, 20. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. I read that and I thought, you know what we need? We need a few days to gaze. He just looked upon her and man, the time flew because he's just like, wow. And we need to be able to look into one another's eyes again and recapture some of that that may have disappeared. A few days to gaze. Now, uh, how do you do that? I thought about Adam and Eve. You know, they, they walked in the garden with God, but they walked in the garden together. Do you have a favorite place you like to walk? I know Cindy and I, when we were dating in Texas, there were some great parks in Fort Worth that we would walk in. You know, that's a great thing to walk. Uh, maybe to go to restaurants together. Be careful. We tend a lot of times to want to go to movies or watch TV together. But if you're not careful, you're not really interacting with one another and you don't want to get in that habit. So don't just do that. It's okay to do that. But don't make that your only time together where you're watching somebody else. Uh, I, I read some comments I thought were great, some ideas. You know, like when you get gifts, ask people to give you gifts that will be helpful for you to spend time with your sweetie. Um, I know some friends of ours for Christmas have given us some tickets to the barter. Um, you know, maybe people give you some uh, gift certificate for a restaurant. And I think it's critical that our gifts, instead of just stuff, that the focus should be on memories together. Instead of just stuff. Because think about it. Would you rather have a garage and basement full of stuff? Or would you rather have in your mind precious memories of being with your loved ones? So that's an idea. Um, Spend time together. Uh, You know, you can go on with these. Play games together. uh, Ride a bike together. Take a drive together. Go to some community event together. You know, and go on with these things. Um... This is one great idea. I just wish I was more organized. Organization is not my supernatural gift. But uh, one person had said, this guy's wife, what an awesome idea this is, and, and, and love this woman for it. But throughout the year, precious memories, she encouraged her husband to do this too, that they had together, they would write them down. Or remember when God blessed us on this day. Remember when we did this activity. Remember when we did this together. And to write those down and then to have a getaway and just go over that. Just sit down and go over those blessings together. 
and just laugh and enjoy that time together and use it as a time just to be re-energized, to remember how we're blessed. You know, what a, what a great idea to want to know one another. Now, I want to close the rest of this message because uh, I think as you think about Sabbath, we think about getting away with our loved one. With the Sabbath, marital Sabbath. But it's more than that. I, I thought about this, guys, um, and I looked through the scriptures to look for examples of couples and their relationships together. And what was astounding to me was how few examples, really, of couples there are in the scriptures together. But as I looked at that, and I want to keep going through some of these, there's lessons to be learned from these relationships. And I wrote a paragraph here of what I learned in the summary here. I said, although it's important to get along with your mate, I think it's also important to realize that the issue may not be just in being alone, but in where you spend your time together when you're not alone. The word Sabbath means rest, and too often we think that rest simply means the absence of activity. Rest is more than the absence of activity. It's the presence of peace. Where's peace come from? It comes from God being at work within us. The irony is that we will find ourselves falling more deeply in love with each other when we love others together. (laughs) And as I thumb through the Scriptures, the little bit I found out about couples was most of the time when it mentioned a couple together, their heart was focused on loving somebody else. Many times it was focused with being childless and wanting God to open the womb. So they can conceive and have kids together. Uh, Samson's parents, they came together, they had prayed, an angel came to them. They said, don't worry, you got Sammy, little Sammy's going to be on the way, Samson is coming. Uh, you had Elkanah and Hannah, which I mentioned, and, and Elkanah was broken. Remember it talks about in First Samuel chapter 1 that Hannah was, she was so grieved as she was in prayer that the priest thought she was drunk. But she was just, man, her heart was broken. And and it, it talked about the two of them together. It's beautiful. You read in First Samuel chapter 1, their relationship, how he was sensitive to Hannah, how Elkanah looked at her and he had compassion on her. I, it's a great section of Scripture. He was in tune with her. And I loved it because there's a section of Scripture here uh, in, in First Samuel chapter 1 where it says, when it came time for sacrifice, Elkanah took a double portion on behalf of his wife. What's it say to me? He's saying, man, my honey is really hurting. And God, I really want you to hear her. I really want you to move, God, and to bless her and to touch her life. And of course, God blessed them with a kid. And then there's Zachariah and Elizabeth, you know, who ended up with John, um, John who would be John the Baptist. And a great section of Scripture here, this is in Luke chapter 1, uh, when he came to, the angel of the Lord came to Zechariah. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. He'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. It just you know, it goes on and, and describes how God will use John to be a blessing to, to, to so many. And then I went on and, of course, I saw Joseph and Mary. And, of course, we know that 
they had that incredible job of watching Jesus grow up and being there. And there's a section of Scripture here. This is from Luke 2.48. It says, When his parents saw them, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. When they saw him, they were astonished. They had been looking for Jesus. Jesus had a plan at the time. They didn't understand it all. But it's easy with kids just to be astonished. Just say, God, how could you put somebody as stupid as me in such a responsible position? You know I'm going to mess it up, God. And that's how you feel so often as a parent. And it's so easy for your, your you know, you get together and you say, I'm going to get together with my honey and we're not going to talk about the kids. Yeah, right. And you end up talking about the kids. Why is it you end up talking about the kids? Because you love them. Because you love them. God's placed that love in your heart for them. It's just this natural work. And, and, and they were talking about Jesus. And we talk about our kids. Um, Genesis 27, 46 we find Rebecca, and she's on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, her kids are grown up, and she's worried about him finding a, a godly wife. And uh, guys, we, as I know many of you do too, we pray for our kids often that God will bring a godly mate into their lives, because what a blessing that is. You can't put a price on the worth of a godly spouse. Genesis twenty seven forty six. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, women like these, my life will not be worth living. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him, commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there. He said, I won't. I want my son to find a godly woman. I want my daughter to find a godly husband. You know, that, that, was, a, that was a part of the heart. Guys, when God brings couples together, it's, it's to love one another, but that love deepens as it's focused on loving someone else together. And that's what, you know, that's what happened here. Um, Achilla and Priscilla, turn me to Acts chapter 18. In Acts chapter 18, we meet this awesome couple. They're so cool. Um, in Acts 18, it says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in synagogues, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So we meet this couple... And their time together was spent. They they decided they were going to feed a preacher that was visiting. So they invited Paul into their home. And they became friends. And their hearts were knitted together. They were tent makers. They shared that. And they shared Jesus. And I want you to notice here, I thought this was so neat. Uh, Look at verse 26 in 18. It says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now, let me jump up to 18. I'm going to read that first. He says, 
Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Now, their hearts became so knit together that Aquila and Priscilla said, with Paul, they decided they were going to leave together. And this couple, you know, kind of reminds me of Terry and Samantha who are willing to go to Belize. They head out with Paul to a new place. Paul drops them off at the temple at the church there. Man, just love these people. And I'm sure Paul's thinking, man, this is so awesome because this couple's so loving. They've loved me. And they're going to love the church here at Ephesus. And God's going to do some great things. This is so cool. And then then Paul goes and he goes to the temple and, and, and fulfills his calling. And then we find him down here. If you read up there, it talks about another preacher, Apollos. So what happens? So Kill and Priscilla see him and say, let's invite him home for supper. Starting over again. Why? Because they had a heart to encourage and to minister and guys, I believe that's a part of the Sabbath heart too. Not just a, an absence of activity, but the presence of peace where we find somebody, husbands, wives, families, where we find somebody God calls us to love together. And then as we love them together, our love for one another increases. That's God's heart. Now, I've gone through that. I'm at the end here. As I went through this study of couples... Uh, there were three couples that stood out on the negative side. And I want to use this as a closing, and I want us to think about this. Because here are three examples of those who misused an idea of Sabbath. They did not spend time with God. First one's Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden, the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Do you think God didn't know where they were? Can somebody help me find out of me? Are you kidding me? God's not like that. God knew exactly where they were. He didn't say that. God didn't say that because he didn't know where they were. He said it to get their attention. They were ashamed. They had sinned. And they were hiding because they were ashamed. And there may be some of you here today and you've done something and you said, well, those people knew what I had done. If they had any idea how mean I am, they wouldn't want me here. And it's what's funny, I've heard a couple times through the years, well, if I went through that church, the roof would fall in. Guys, there's nothing God won't forgive you for. There's nothing the Lord hasn't seen. The only thing that God won't forgive you for is not being willing to receive His love. If you keep saying no to His offer of forgiveness, you won't find His forgiveness. But if you're willing to come to Him with an honest heart, if you're broken over your sin, and He calls to you and He says, God, where are you? And I'm thinking, he doesn't know where I am. No, I'm thinking, he knows where I am. God, you know where I am and I'm going to come clean. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> that's the gospel. Adam and Eve needed to do that. That's what God was doing. Second couple, Ahab and Jezebel. Um, this couple embraced their sin. Ahab came from a family where the Lord God was worshipped. He was loved. But that's not where it stayed. The background of his family that worshipped the Lord... He turned away. Uh, listen to this section of Scripture. This is from 1 Kings 16. It says here, um, starting in verse 30, 
Ahab, son of Ammon, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. A couple things here, uh, real briefly. First of all, it says in verse 31, he considered it trivial. Man, he had lost sight of the fact that God is holy. Man, he had strayed away from God. And he, he had no fear of God. He, you know, he just had kind of pushed God out of his mind, out of his heart. I got plenty of time. I don't have to worry about it. I just kind of slide along. I worry about that later. But you can't worry about God later. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to turn to God. It's not enough to know people who have a deep relationship with a living God. You've got to have one yourself. There's no grandkids in heaven, just kids. You don't get there second hand. You've got to get there with a first hand relationship with Jesus. You've got to know His forgiveness first hand. And this guy, he shifted away. He had the opportunity. He married a lady that didn't have any love for God. Worshipped this false God. Man, they believed in human sacrifice. They believed in temple prostitution. All kinds of perversion, fertility God, all this stuff. And he had drifted away to that. He had, he had not listened to the ways of the Lord. And, and as he had drifted, it said he got to the point where he worshipped Baal. And then it said he built a temple for Baal. Look how far he had drifted. And I, it gets the warning here as I look at this couple. Is it can happen to you. You have to walk with God. You have to walk with God. That's your heart. And the, and, the, and the joy of the hope is that as you walk with God, your loved one will walk with you, with God. Man, he didn't walk with God. And you know what's sad about it was the influence. Remember later on, one of my favorite sections of Scripture, Elijah, he faces the, you know, these hundreds of false prophets. And I love it, you know, where he says, all right, put just buckets and buckets of water all over the sacrifice. And he says, God, if you're the true God, bring down your fire. He said it just licked it all up. <laughs> by the power of God. Just awesome stuff. The people had turned to Baal. Far many they had turned to the Lord. And it was a tough time in the nation. A man stood up for God. And the tide was turned. But they had all fallen away. You read about Ahab here with Jezebel, but the whole nation, many of them had turned away. And there had to be a turning back. Guys, maybe that's where some of you are. You slipped away from God. He's calling you back. One last one, and then I'm done. The final couple mentions in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira. It's found in Acts chapter 5. And uh, the word here, you know, when I looked at Adam and Eve, I, the word was ashamed. When I thought of Ahab and Jezebel, I thought embraced because they embraced their sin. But the word here is image. And as I leave here, I want to make sure that no one here is here just because of wanting to portray an image of who they are. We read uh, about these guys in Acts chapter 5 and... uh, it says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. 
with his wife's knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, And I said, How is it that Satan so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received in the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, was it the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've lied. Uh, you've not lied to men, but to God. What happened here? Ananias and Sapphira got caught up. I mean, there was a movement of God that was going on. God was blessing. People were being saved. The church was growing. There was just this awesome fellowship. But they got sidetracked. And they thought, man, this is so cool. I want the church folk, I want them to see me as a vital part of God's work. I want them to look at me. I want them to say, Ananias said, man... Me and my wife, we're so cool. We got it so together. We're God's servants. And, and we want people to see us that way. But it was all a lie. It was all a sham. And God called the bluff. And it's, he and his wife both were stricken. I don't know exactly what happened, but they died. They became worm food. And what happened? It was because they were caught up in an image instead of turning to God. And it can happen to any of us, guys. As I close and as I come here, and I guess one all of us, be careful. Because I don't know what you do when you leave here. We can all put on the church face, right? I mean, you know. But God does. You can't hide from God. Neither can I. He knows your heart. He knows if you're playing a game. He knows if you're interested in just image what the people around you think or if you care about what He thinks. And this invitation, this time to respond, open to everybody here. Uh, as you think about these last three guys, is there something you're ashamed of you need to come forward? <laughs> or, or secondly, is there sin that you've embraced and you don't want to let go of, but God's speaking to you to let go of it? Or is God saying, it's got to be more an image? Be real, be genuine. We come. Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we thought about marriage, as we thought of love between a man and a woman, as we come full circle back to relationship with God, speak, O oh Master. God, uh, we need to come to You this morning. Some of us need to come to this altar and pray. Some of us need to publicly make a statement of Your work in, in, in my life. And... Uh, their lives. And uh, Lord, I don't know what you're up to, but I pray that you'd have a freedom to move. And I pray that we would say yes to whatever that is, God. Just work, Lord, because the need for Sabbath is important. Father, we need to be with you. We need to be with our loved one. But Father, we also need to be together to love others. And I just pray you do that work here at Kingsway and beyond. And God, in this time we call invitation, just work, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.